God's word, and let's just stand to honor him as I, I read it this morning. Uh, from Luke chapter 7, verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come, they said to John the Baptist, Has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard, and the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed are the one who is not offended by me. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's great to have a full house here today at, at Crosswinds, and it's good to be with my, my friends today that are online with us. Um, if you're new to Crosswinds, I want to welcome you here today. It's, it's, it's good to have you here at, at, at Crosswinds. Um, yesterday, we had uh, uh, people dropping off clothes for our upcoming clothing exchange, and Simon the bike guy was here dropping or giving away bikes. We gave away 40 bikes. Actually, we only had 24 to give away, but um, people brought bikes that we ended up fixing up and giving away, and it, it was an exciting day. It was it, it, it's so encouraging um, to see all the smiling faces of people that were serving one another, the people that brought bikes to give to other people, and and the people that received bikes. Uh, you know, we're made, I think, to minister to one another, and we're always more encouraged when we're together doing that. Um, you know, this week I, I've been thinking. Uh, uh, about um, uh, the times I've been discouraged and what brought me out of that discouragement. You know, I admit there are times I, I really do get discouraged. You know, some would probably think that I have a pretty annoying, positive temperament, you know, most of the time. But like most of you, there has been a lot of disappointments in my life over this past year. Um, there were places I wanted to go. There were things that I wanted to do and there were goals that I hoped to achieve. You know, I had a lot of expectations, um, that I had set for myself and because of the circumstances we were all in, uh, they were just not possible. And, and so there have been times I've, I've been discouraged. I don't stand still very well. I just don't. I like to move forward. Um, I tend to wake up each morning ready to take on the world, but, you know, um, sometimes by the end of the day, my attitude was just not very up. My wife tells me I need to go to bed earlier. Um, I think she's right. We used to say to our teens that nothing good happens after midnight. And, you know, for my brain, that's probably true. Nothing good happens in my brain after midnight. <laughs> Honestly, my own sin discourages me. Um uh, and, and usually later in the day, I'm confronted with thoughts of my own sin and, and I'm, I, and the sin of other people starts to, to wear me down. Usually watching the nightly news is not a good thing. Um, thankfully though, in the morning, God's mercies are new and I feel the possibilities of a, a new day, especially after my, my time reading his word and in prayer. You know, I, I don't think temperament alone would have kept me up especially this year, it, it was my daily time in his word and, and with him that kept me going. You know, I think we all, 
if we're honest, struggle being discouraged sometimes. You know, no matter how positive our temperament is or how strong our relationship with God is, life is hard. And, and, and we're all confronted with our own sin daily. We, we become discouraged by our failures of performance on the job or maybe in school or our failures in our relationships. We get discouraged by the things we thought we could do better. We, we get discouraged by the things we thought we did well and nobody even appreciated. Sometimes it is God that seems to discourage us. We thought things were going to go one way and then things go completely the opposite way. Often we feel discouraged when we feel alone and there's no one there to help us, it seems. Sometimes discouragement comes when those who are supposed to be helping us actually seem to be working against us. You know, being misunderstood um, is discouraging. I think there's times that everybody feels misunderstood, especially in today's world. Um, you know, all discouragement comes from the sin in this world. You know, our God is a God worthy to be praised. You know, he seeks our praise. He seeks our praise for who he is and what he does. God is a God also who gives us his praise. He, he, he seeks to build us up. You know, he said this about his own son. This is my own son in whom I am well pleased. And you know, he said that about Jesus before He'd even really started his earthly ministry or completed his life's mission of dying for our sins on the cross. God expressed his pleasure in his son also at key times in his ministry to encourage him when he needed it the most. And friends, in Christ, we are a new creation and and God is well pleased in us too. And today, I hope that encourages you this morning. Yes, we sin. Yes, we fail. And, and, and God is also honest with us about that. But, but instead of rubbing our nose in it, he, he uses his words to build us up in our identity as our, his children. And so I believe his church should be one of the most encouraging places of praise. Unlike our workplaces, unlike some of our homes, unlike the news for sure, and unlike some of our recreational activities. You know, all people that you meet are craving for the restorative power of encouragement because their sin and the sin of others is constantly discouraging them. The church should always have encouragement, have an encouraging word for for those in the world. And we should always have an encouraging word for one another. The Bible says this, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. That's from 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. But I have found, because as a church, we're full of sinners, encouragement is not always what comes out of our mouths. Far too often, Christian culture can be very critical. It's like we're afraid to make someone prideful by giving them 
sincere praise. But sincere and honest praise is biblical because it's ultimately praising God for what he has done in them. And to not notice and praise what is good would be sinful. So Crossman's wins. My, my hope is that we here would have a culture of encouragement. That that's who we'd be. You know, when I started as leader here, um, Kim helped me. We wrote some cultural statements that we wanted to keep in mind. And one of them was encouragement. Being specific and generous in our praises. And celebrating as a community and individually when people do well. And secondly, it is this, being productive with feedback, celebrating victories and identifying areas of constant improvement of our lives and as mission. See, both are values we need to live out to grow effectively as a body of believers together. And I know I'm a sinner. And when I've been discouraged, I know I have failed at being an encourager to all of you. And I know probably you have failed too sometimes. This pandemic has put stress on us all. But as we come out of it right now, let's remember all the more to encourage one another. Because I think we all need it, don't we? It will also attract the world to this place. Because they desperately need it right now. And it will best reflect to them the God that we serve. Friends, it's easy to discourage. It takes intentionality to encourage. Especially when we're fighting our own discouragement in life. So today, let's open your Bible to Luke chapter 7. And let's learn from God's word how to stay encouraged. Especially when times are discouraging. I read the text already, but let's look starting in verse 18 in chapter 7. The disciples of John reported all these things to, to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So what were all the things that John's disciples were reporting to John the Baptist? Well, in, in this chapter, Jesus had already healed a, a centurion servant, uh, a servant of the centurion soldier. Um, he, he had crashed into a funeral and, and raised a widow's son from the dead. Um, Jesus had been teaching multitudes of people on the plain uh, about God's mercy, even to your enemies, even to the ungrateful. And during all this excitement, John is in prison, in a deep, dark castle of a prison in a desolate place, held there by the enemies of God's people, Herod had him in prison because John had courageously just honestly spoken the truth about Herod's sin of divorcing his wife to marry his brother's wife, who divorced her husband to marry him. And Herod's wife wanted to kill John because John was embarrassed by her speaking honestly about her sin. And Herod didn't kill him because he was a politician and he was afraid of upsetting John's many devoted followers. Again, being an encourager is not avoid, avoiding talking about sin in an honest way. John talked about sin in an honest way. God does not praise us in our sin. 
And we should not give praise to others in their sin. And, and from this text, we, we do not know who is more discouraged, John or his disciples. We know that John knew Jesus' identity. He was the one who had declared him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John was very humble before Jesus. He, he said he was not even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. He, 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 he knew his role in ministry, that, that, that Jesus must increase and that he must decrease. But now he, he is sitting in, in a prison alone and, and doubts may have started creeping in. He was a man uh, full of the Holy Spirit, but he's facing his death in prison. And he might have needed a little bit of reassurance to encourage him. And I think that proves that no matter who you are, and no matter how great a person you are, or, or how everybody thinks you're doing spiritually, or how together you look, everybody needs encouragement. You know, an angel had said that John would have the spirit and the power of the prophet Elijah. You know, John was like the prophet Elijah who had amazing spiritual power and and had great spiritual victories like calling fire down from heaven to defeat the prophets of Baal. But then he ran away fearful and he became depressed and he curled up in a ball under a broom tree saying to God, it's enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. Beloved, there is no shame in feeling discouraged and having doubts when that does happen to you. For it, it does happen to us all, even the strongest, even the greatest spiritually. You know, sometimes we only talk about the highs in our lives, not the lows. But to be really encouraging, we need to tell others about both in our lives. God records both from his greats. He's honest. You know, after I got back from Africa with, uh, with uh, Rena and Andre, I honestly felt discouraged for a couple of days. I, I was preaching to all those kids, and it was so much fun to, to preach to all those kids and, and to be with such a great team of people that were all so positive. But then coming home and being stuck under quarantine and not being able to preach and be with you here on Sunday was very difficult. Uh, and then I looked at all the work that had piled up and I imagined all the effort ahead for us to move forward and it all seemed bigger than me and I could have echoed Elijah, take it all, take away my life for I'm no better than my dad. I, I you know, it, we all, when we feel alone and overwhelmed can feel like Elijah did and we need the fellowship of God and the fellowship of, of the body um, to come back to us. God came to Elijah and he listened to him and, and he revealed himself to him. And, and, and me getting back with my brothers and my men's study and, and talking to people again revived me and, and encouraged me. Um, John called his disciples to himself. He, he hung out with some brothers and, and, and he heard the reports about Jesus. And I bet that started to encourage him but he also, I think, sensed their discouragement. See, Jesus was not the Messiah they all expected. If he really was the Messiah, why wasn't he lifting up Roman oppression on the people? Why were the religious corrupt Jews 
like Herod still able to maintain their power? How could he let his cousin John just rot in prison? John had preached the Messiah would separate the wheat from the chaff and yet seemed like the chaff was still in charge. The Messiah instead was preaching about being merciful to your enemies. And he even healed one of the enemy's servants, a centurion. He was openly hanging out and eating and drinking with sinners. And he didn't live religiously and pure like John did. When John recognized that his disciples were discouraged and that Jesus was not fitting their plan, he didn't try to answer it. I think sometimes when someone's discouraged, we try to give them too easy an answer for their discouragement. John instead did the best thing possible to encourage them. He sent them to Jesus. He sent them to Jesus for the answer. When, when someone's discouraged, one of the best things we can do for somebody is, is listen to them, like John did, and, and, and send them to Jesus. For us, we can pray with them about the situation. We don't have to give an answer. We can, we can stop and, and pray with them. I did that with somebody yesterday and, and, and it was very discouraged. And after we prayed, I saw his face light up. John, John did n- nothing to fix the problem. He was in prison, but he, he sent his disciples. Honestly, we, we, we don't have the power to fix somebody's discouragement, but we can be with them in it and we can bring Jesus into their presence during it. I have found when we do that, the Holy Spirit, which is uh, his role is to comfort us, comes and, and, and starts to bring encouragement. And, and John's wisdom, he relieved his own burden and, and he started to relieve their burden. He, he knew his disciples now were in the best possible care. And he trusted they would get the best possible answer from somebody who could truly help. Sending someone to Jesus by praying with them or reading God's word with them is usually the best, most encouraging thing you can do for somebody. It's at least the best place to start. And and since he's there, he will guide you to do the next best thing. The, The question John asked his disciple to ask is an important one. And when the men... Uh, had come to him, they they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? The, the phrase is the one who is to come is code for the Messiah, the anointed one of God that the scripture had promised. You know, the real problem that the disciples were having was that circumstances in their lives had made them start to doubt God. Their friend, their their leader was in jail. Their hopes and dreams for a political revolution to bring Israel back to greatness were evaporating. It, it seemed like God had, had forgotten them. All they had was some poor carpenter from nowhere who did some miracles. And he didn't seem to follow all the rules from their perspective. You know, often we become discouraged by our own expectations of things. Of, of the things we think, the way things we think they should be. We have our own agenda for God. 
And then if he does not meet it, then we falsely believe he's not there or he does not care. And then we become discouraged. But what was our real hope in to begin with? Was it God? Or was it a functional savior? See, many have functional saviors in their lives. We have functional saviors like getting married or having children or political victories for our ideologies or wealth or popularity or certain stuff, certain toys or a good career. And when those things don't happen for us or that they don't happen on our timeline, we can become devastated because our, our functional savior has failed us. And you know, what we often do is we blame God for not meeting our expectations. And often those expectations are things that he never promised in the first place. See, functional saviors are temporal or temporary solutions to our problems. And since they are temporary, they will eventually fail. And even if they're a good thing in the short run, God is our eternal solution or our permanent solution. You know, Psalm 46 is a great psalm of reminder for me when I become discouraged by temporary problems or even big problems in life. It says this, God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea and though its waters roar and foam and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. You know, I once spent a day on the National Day of Prayer praying that verse all day. You know, the first two words are the most encouraging to me. God is. Because if he isn't, the rest of those verses don't matter. That's all John needed to know sitting in prison to be encouraged. John doesn't need to see the Roman army fall. He doesn't need to see Jerusalem restored to its greatness. That's a temporary thing. He needs to know that God is. John will be beheaded soon because of Herod's wife's sinfulness. But because God is, all his promises are true and there will be justice. And God, and John will inherit an eternal kingdom and God will be just and repay Herod. Herod will eventually lose his kingdom because his new wife is jealous and will cause it to happen because God is and he will avenge. There is a refuge and there is a strength and there is a very present help to John's trouble. Beloved, we will all have days where at least it feels like the earth is giving way and the mountains are being thrown into the sea. But God's plans and promises will not be moved as the rest of the psalm starts to say. His plans stand forever. Now, Jesus doesn't just say to them, God is, and tell them his identity. He lets them see the evidence that God is. Verse 21 says, In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. You know, when we're discouraged because we have lost, it's because we've lost sight 
We, we've lost, gotten our eyes off of the fact that God is and, and that he loves us and that he does care. Je, Je, Jesus let John's disciples see that again. The, the text does not share that he did anything for them personally, but he did see them, he, they did see God work in the lives of other people, in his disciples and the people he healed. And, and they became encouraged because of that. You know, sometimes we see more clearly the work of God in the lives of other people than we see it in our own. And also other people sometimes see God working more clearly in our lives than we can see it in our own. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, this verse shows us the importance of being together in intimate relationship with other believers. You know, Elijah and John had become discouraged being isolated. Even with God's power working greatly in them. John's own disciples had become discouraged without their leader, feeling like God had abandoned them. But when they saw God's power working through Jesus in the lives of others, that evidence encouraged them again that God is. You know, some sometimes um, people legally use that verse to say why the church has to meet together in a building for corporate worship. And and I think it's important that we meet together. But I don't think it's necessary. You can still be alone just coming here. I think it's important that we meet together in a deep way. <laughs> There's no magic about being in a building. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's magical being connected. Being uh, I, I Believers are like batteries. <laughs> we are charged up when we are connected to one another um, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Life gets hard and we get discouragement. And, and when, when, when we get discouraged, we can feel disconnected from Jesus. And when we connect with another believer who is connected, it connects us and recharges us. And we start to feel stirred and we start stirring others. And God's word says it's not good for man to be alone. And I know that's in the context of marriage, but, but Jesus made us to be for relationship with him and for others. He, he, he said in the Great Commission that I will always be with you to the very end of the age. Um, and he said that, you know, um, the world would know us by our love for one another. How are we going to stay encouraged and how are we going to be effective in this world unless we are connected as a body? I'm, uh, and, and I'm not saying like if you're watching at home, you have to be in this building every week if that's not safe for you. But what I'm saying is you need to be connected to other believers. You need to have a, a connection to a life group or you need to be in discipleship with somebody or, or serving on a team, coming and serving on a team or, or, or connected to another believer to be effective in, in your life, to keep from being discouraged. That's what John the Baptist knew his disciples needed was connections, and that's why he sent them to be with Jesus and his disciples. In verse 22, he, he, he answered them and said, Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news and preach to them. 
All the things the disciples saw were evidence that God is. And that he that he cared that he had sent his promise to deliver, deliver. They saw Jesus do what his word promised. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and then the lame man shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That's from Isaiah 35, 6. Your dead shall live and their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. That's from Isaiah 26, 19. They saw the actual promises of God coming true. And then Jesus shared his mission, his main mission. The miracles were only there to reveal his identity, to to show that God is and that he cares. But his real mission is his message of grace. His message of grace to encourage sinners. And this is, this is it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and to open the open prison to those who are bound. And while Jesus had not been doing the disciples agenda in the world, Jesus was doing his father's agenda. He was bringing good news, encouragement to the poor, to the discouraged. He was giving hope and healing to the brokenhearted. He was proclaiming to those who were captive to their sin that they could be forgiven, that they could be set free. And he he was declaring that the real jailer of men's souls has lost his authority forever. The most important part of what Jesus said to encourage them is what he asked them to do next. Go and tell. Go and tell. They are to go and give their testimony of what they have seen Jesus say and do. They are to praise God for what he has done. Friends, we were made to praise him. One reason I was down after Africa is every moment I was praising him. Rena kept us busy. Great thing about being on a mission trip is there's no time to sin. You're too exhausted from, from witnessing for Jesus. Every time I've been on a mission trip, it goes that way. We are made for that. They are to praise God for what he has done. And if we are his disciples, we are never more encouraged than when we are sharing praises of him to encourage others. Because we're made for that. Yes, being rejected can be a little discouraging, but not going and telling others is much more discouraging. Much more discouraging. One reason I'm annoyingly positive is I do a lot of telling people about Jesus. And it brings me up. I get rejected a lot. Anybody watch The Chosen? That show? I watched this week. I loved one scene in it. Jesus went to talk to a man and the guy rejected him. You know, Jesus got rejected a lot. 
But he was up. He knew who he was. He was made to praise his father. We're made to praise our father. We're made to praise Jesus. If I don't go and tell, I get discouraged. I don't know whether John really needed to know the identity of Jesus to be encouraged in prison, but I know for certain he knew his disciples needed to see Jesus to be strengthened by his works. And Jesus knew they needed to go tell others about him to stay strong as his disciples during the tough days ahead because he knew that John would soon be beheaded. You know, the times I've seen God's disciples the most encouraged in their walk of faith is when they've had the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, even when they get rejected. You know, when John and I first planted this church, there were many hard days where we would be discouraged. And you know what we'd do? We'd force ourselves to go out and meet, reach some new people and tell them about Jesus. And you know, we'd always come home encouraged. You know, when I'm d- discouraged today, I still get out there and I tell somebody about Jesus. In, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples to share with them about the kingdom of God. And the text says, all 72 came back joyful and Jesus was joyful. That's the remedy, folks, for discouragement. It's to speak praises of Jesus. It, it, if we're, we are Jesus' disciples and we're not talking about Jesus and instead we are talking about other people's sins, our sins, or the sins of the world, we will be discouraged. Beloved, we are most encouraged when we share the solution, Jesus, not the problem, sin. Jesus' final word of encouragement to John's disciple and to us today is this. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed means happy. Happy is the one that is not offended by the grace of God. The good news of the grace of God through Jesus is offensive to the proud. Many think it's okay to encourage the right kind of people, but not my enemies. John's disciples were offended by a Messiah who did not deal with the politically corrupt and their political uh, oppressors. They came to Jesus with doubts, asking, are you the one or should we seek another? The Pharisees and the lawyers rejected John the Baptist's message because they did not feel They needed to repent and receive God like the unwashed masses of sinners. Jesus' own townspeople almost threw him off a cliff when he preached a, a message of grace and encouragement about bringing the good news to the poor that I read earlier because they realized he was talking that the poor were them and that offended them because of their pride. This word offense in the Greek means stumbling block. We don't encourage with grace enough. If we don't encourage with grace enough, it's because we're focused on the sins of others, which is a stumbling block of pride that keeps us from receiving grace because grace is meant to flow through us 
and we're, we're trying to play God. And we have our own strategy of how we all apply grace. But God says in his word, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. See, Jesus' message was an offense because his message of grace was so encouraging and inclusive to all sinners that it upset the Jews. His message was so universally humbling that the only way not to be offended by him was to admit your sin and to receive the encouragement of being forgiven by him, which is something the proud often refuse to do. This message that he sends is going back to John, who's about to be beheaded by Herod because of his wife's vanity. And John and his disciples could easily become bitter and doubt God's promise of grace because Jesus is not doing their will and bringing swift justice. But Jesus' grace and mercy towards sinners is the very thing that will bless them. Jesus says, today you can be encouraged if you're not offended by God's grace, but instead receive it. See, he he came and died for you, for all sinners, not being offended by the sin of any one of us. Instead, he let sinful men beat him and mock him and hang him on a cross to die. He was not offended to let his own creation, the people he had made, do that to him. Yet instead, in love, he, 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 he let that love keep him hanging shamefully on a cross instead of being offended by it and cursing us. He, he forgave us, saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he died a just, unsinful man for we... All who are unjust and sinful, which is highly offensive. But he didn't take offense. He took our sin. And instead he gave us his righteousness. And then three days later, he walked out of a tomb to prove he had blessed us And that God is our refuge from sin and death. And that the humble that will not be offended by his grace will receive his encouragement. And that they will live forever in him. And that's his promise. Today, I hope you won't be offended by him. I hope you won't be offended by his grace to you because you need it. And I hope you won't be offended by his grace to others because they need it. And I hope that we will be the kind of church that will give grace when it's not deserved. I know we are. I saw it yesterday. That's who we need to be. And sometimes it's hard 
When it's hard and we're discouraged, it's hard to do that. But we got to dig deep like John and his disciples did and go to Jesus because he'll give us the strength because grace flows down and flows out. So today, if you need his grace, like John sent his disciples to Jesus, I send you to him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your kindness and your mercy in sending your son to us. Jesus said, come all who are thirsty and drink. And from your hearts will flow rivers of living water. Oh, Lord, I know that some of your people are are discouraged. It's been a long year. And Father, I, I pray, Lord, that they would come and, and, and seek you and find restoration and healing and, and, and fellowship with you and fellowship with each other and be encouraged. And Father, that they would go out and encourage with your word and with your grace abundantly. Father, if there's anybody here that has not received your grace, Father, let them let go of any offense and humbly come admitting their sin admitting that they need it believing on you that you were good enough to die for them and committing to following you and your ways to go and tell others about your humble grace to follow you as their Lord to not listen to the world anymore listen to you and if they'll do that you will save them you will be their refuge and their strength their ever present help in these times of trouble I thank you Jesus for your love in Christ's name I pray Amen if you'd like somebody to pray with you I'll be standing right over here I'd be happy to pray with you I'll put a mask on stay at a distance and if you'd like Or I'll get close if you'd like, whatever's good for you. Um, Come and pray.